and welcome back to the sixth episode of Fajitas Tonight with me, Elle. And me, Morgana. We are bringing you another special. It's on periods this time. Woo, woo, woo. How exciting. Everybody's clear favourite topic. Oh, well, is it? Oh, yeah, in this household, but as we will discuss, Elle, um, it's stigmatised in other areas. Yes, but we'll get on to the heavier, we will. heavier things. So today for this period episode, we're going to talk about... Um, the recent success of the free periods campaign and we will also be talking about endometriosis because it is endometriosis awareness month and we have a very special guest yeah we do we will have our friend christina she will be telling us about her own experience with endometriosis because we felt like this is a really important issue but me and Elle having neither of us experienced it we really wanted to do justice to the issue and christina has very kindly and very eloquently um told us about her experience with it so we've got that for you as well and then just general chit chat about our own menstrual life menstrual life that should be the name of the podcast so fun isn't it just love it yep so that's our episode today Okay, so very excitingly in the news this week, it was announced, you may have seen, that free sanitary products are going to be available in schools from September. This is very exciting. Um, And this is all to do with the issue of period poverty, which I kind of, I found out about, I think, through the high-low last year. Yeah, they did an interview. Or... um... Femin- uh, what's it called? The Guilty Feminist. Yeah, that might she, have been it. I think she discussed them. And also, so did um, Get Off Your Breasts. Yeah, I know. So I feel like I've heard about it through the podcast sphere, but this is the first time I've kind of seen it in like national news. Yeah. Um, but period poverty is basically when um, young girls, they cannot afford sanitary products. And this often leads to them um, missing school. And um, like, yes, yeah, so their education suffers just because they do something that's totally natural and they just bleed every month. Um, but basically, Amica George has campaigned with her free periods movement um, and they've been campaigning against the government for free sanitary products to be available in schools. And they finally have been. So exciting. This is so good. Yeah. And also, I think because it's an issue that everyone kind of would expect to happen, like in the third world or like less developed yes. countries. But it's actually really going on in the UK. Like some girls are using socks and like... No stuff like that and newspapers because they can't afford sanitary products which you really have to check yourself when you hear it because i've always i've always been privileged enough to afford sanitary products but well the thing is is that you think sanitary products are sort of like not that expensive well they are expensive when you they go to add buy up them. yeah yeah but they yeah. do add up and then the stat that is on um the free periods kind of website in there about us page um says that it will cost a woman probably about eighteen thousand pounds over her lifetime <gasps> that is mental and um, why I are we know. what i know i'm spending eighteen thousand pounds overall on being like existing as a female <laughs> exactly i know it's terrible and yeah, so the campaign has kind of pointed out that like one in 10 girls between the ages of 14 and 21 in the UK have been unable to afford sanitary products, um, while 49% have missed an entire day of school because of their period. And this is according to research by Plan International. And they and say, ridiculous. yeah, I know they say <laughs> about the, um, the missing school, it puts women behind their mm. male peers in the classroom. So it's like an estimated like uh, 140 days or something crazy like that. That's so significant. It just frustrates me. It's like you wouldn't even expect it. Like I hear stories about, oh, I don't know where it is. Is it like Nepal when people have to go and sit in, the women have to go sit in like a menstrual hut when every time they oh, bleed? Oh, I have heard of that, but I don't and know And you just is. think it's so backward. Archaic. But how, yeah, yeah, so archaic. But something like that could be happening in our schools today. Although on a positive note, 
something else we should mention on the topic of periods the moon cup coming <laughs> in i'm just cup. gonna do a little plug oh see what i did there get it, get it. <laughs> um yeah well that's like 20 quid and i personally i have tried the moon cup and i see every single benefit um it's like reusable it's better for the environment like 20 quid for one time like compare that to what was it you said 13 pounds a month no that 18,000 yeah, so in a 30, lifetime yeah yeah 13 pounds a month exactly so you pay it back in like one and a half months which is ridiculous yeah. um but then that's not for everyone but I think that's the future and I think if we were educated about like if you were taught that was an option like I know it's really recent but in our sex education yeah we were only told about tampons and, and pads yeah and pads that's true maybe there, there could be hope for the next generation on this and there definitely is because of this new thing that's been passed. Yeah, very exciting. Well, one of the things that I read that like mm-hmm. really was quite sad um, was that 40% of girls in the UK have used toilet roll because they couldn't afford menstrual products. Uh, and I don't know about... This is probably 40% for everyone. is huge. That's massive. But I've used toilet paper before when yeah. I haven't had like access to sanitary products or you mm-hmm. come on and you don't realise and you're like, yeah. oh my God, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's one, so uncomfortable too. It yes. doesn't work. You leak straight through. I know. And the fact that girls, 40% of girls in the uk are having to do that because they literally can't afford products is just so upsetting i know and so having this to do it regularly be, yeah this is going to be so positive and hopefully will encourage more people to go to school when they're on their period but i guess another thing that is really important with this whole debate and actually one of the things that free periods and the campaigners um with this issue want to also like focus on now is destigmatizing the idea of periods um and, 100%. and with that i think will come more confidence in women kind of going to school when they're on the period and not being challenged about their mood or if they need to go to the toilet. I remember in school it was so embarrassing if you ever had to go to the toilet. Why? I don't know. If you had to go to the toilet during the middle of the class, you'd be like, can I go to the toilet? They say, yeah. And you'd feel like everyone was staring at you and they'd be like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, I know, it's so sad. And it works both ways. Like, I feel like women are kind of ashamed of it and then men don't really know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I say to my dad, like, oh, I'm on my period, he'd be like, oh, too much information. Yeah. That's it. And I'm just kind of like, I just said, like, this really natural thing that happens. Yeah. But people just don't really have the vocabulary to deal with it and it's just such a hushed up issue. I don't know where it really started. Is it because it's, it's because it's blood? I don't know, but it's like fresh, clean blood. Like, blood isn't... The idea that periods are dirty Mm. is needs to be kind of stopped blood exactly. is natural if i cut my finger you're not like ooh, gross like yeah that's so true just because actually. fresh blood is coming out of somewhere else doesn't mean that it's inherently gross yeah so yeah the destigmatizing i think will probably be a big focus of theirs now that the actual like poverty aspect of it has been successful although some people um in the cam in the kind of campaigning sphere for this are already calling for it to extend to primary school because a lot of girls do come on earlier than you know secondary school age which is 11 some girls can come on as early as like eight i think which is just that would be so much to deal with being a child um you're probably not even going to have sanitary bins in schools I know. For primary, for primary kids. Well, I think this all just, like, this is so great that this policy has come through, but it also ties in with what something else that was in um, the news this week, that a new sex education policy has been announced. Okay, and that yeah. really works hand in hand. And that has basically announced that it will be compulsory to teach about periods at schools um, in England by 2020. Um, like, that just shows people what's normal and it will help speed up diagnoses for things like endometriosis, which we'll talk about a bit later. And also, like, it means that boys and girls getting the same kind of basic level of education. Yeah. Um, and with this policy, they're also going to be taught a lot more about consent and domestic violence, like FGM, stuff like that. And I think just this education 
like it goes hand in hand with the products actually being available because it gives it just destigmatizes the whole issue well, yeah. yeah exactly normalizes it's, it it's all so positive and particularly when you say about like boys learning it as well I think all we can do is keep learning about this and especially for men because men are supportive roles when women are on their period I've been on my period before and been on the toilet like oh my gosh I literally cannot get off like it's so heavy I need these and I'll get like my boyfriend or my stepdad to going and I have no shame in asking oh yeah me neither (laughs) Um, and they're really positive in that role but I fear that for some people maybe a lot of people they don't have men who feel comfortable going and buying tampons or going and buying pads for them because I, I, when you put that on the, on the side to like get it scanned through by a checkout assistant, you are a bit like, oh, you know, oh, they know I'm on my period. Yeah, now. it's like something they know and it's as if it's this personal, private thing. Yeah. And it's also interesting, like, I'm just thinking like in films, I'm just think, I, I think like Miss Congeniality or so many spy films, they're just like, oh, it's just like women's problem. And they just like shake a tampon in their hand and they use it as like a getaway. Yeah. Because the guy is so like, oh, whoa, don't know yeah. how to deal with this. And so in that, like in those, in those contexts, it's like switch into a positive. It's like, oh, the woman's able to get away because the guy can't deal with the period. But yeah. like, that, that is actually case. ridiculous. Like that is kind of rooted in this sexism and it's kind of, it is so backwards. And the fact that it's still happening in the UK is a problem but hopefully progress I know. with 2020 with september very exciting roll out the pads i, know. I, I wish we'd had more better sex education i know obviously it's like probably underfunded but and mm. hopefully this is going to be a turnaround moment for that but in school all i can remember really was someone one person in the class had to put a condom on a cucumber with <laughs> drunk goggles on one person so we all just watched this one girl do it it was so weird and so irrelevant like what is that gonna i don't think we even had that i remember this weird day it was like a guy came in and he was writing on the board and he was like masturbating and he just wrote the word on the board and he was like does anyone know any other words for it and then like girls school yeah yeah context Context. so i mean we did talk about periods quite candidly i suppose um in i don't know if it was different in a mixed school i guess could you talk about them less, did you feel? Um, like, you kept it hidden, like, up your sleeve. I mean, I yes, still, yes, I still would, would hide a sanitary towel up my sleeve, actually. Yeah, and I have, like, in one of the pockets in my bag, I have tampons just in case. And sometimes they do come out, like, if I pull out my yeah. keys. And I'm all like, oh, flustered. Why am I flustered? I know. I Obviously, you know I'm going to be on my period. I am 21. Exactly. Like... I feel like I'm less flustered with that now. No, but, yeah. Um, anyway, just to continue the... A fascinating oh, yeah, sorry, sex education lesson that we had yeah so he said like if anyone's got a synonym for this please come up and write it and then like two girls would come up and just write fingering strumming and that is literally like that was it that was that's it. like my memory of sex education yeah that's very it's, it's vivid that do you know one. what that Stuck even sounds better than ours because that's talking about pleasure female pleasure because mm. it's in a female environment we didn't have any of that i yeah nothing. i mean i think you've turned it into a positive a lot more than it was but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean now i've just I'm felt like a thesaurus <laughs> but um yeah i don't know it it's... was limited and i remember like even in school even in a girl's um or female only toilet the rip of the pads oh my coming God. out of the packaging. People would wait for the dryer yes, to I sound. Would the... I would wait for the dryer. And or you'd be outside and you'd be like, oh, someone's on the period. You don't care. It's just a fact. But I know. I was so conscious of that. Yeah. Or like having to pass someone, some, like a pad or a tampon under. Same, definitely. In, Isn't in that cubicle. mad? I do think I, it's changed more. And I wonder if that is like 
hanging out with girls more or maybe it just does come with age but now I, I don't I don't think I do feel shame no, really obviously attached not. we're to doing it a podcast that we're going to oh yeah yeah we're just telling everyone about our vaginas and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and our habits but um yeah I don't know do you know I've noticed recently my mood has been absolutely foul when I'm on my period oh, and it's never been like that before it's in the last same. few months oh maybe it's living together <laughs> we've lived together for like apparently the period sinking is a myth yeah I've heard it's a myth also, Although, we're, no, but we're a house of seven, right? It's definitely a myth. We're a girls. house of seven, and there's only four weeks in each month. So it's likely that two of us, at yeah. least two, are going to be on our periods at the I same know. time. We haven't synced. It's I just think chance. we haven't synced before, but we are actually going to this oh, month. She's aren't just we? so excited about it, aren't you? Well, we can just, you know, lie together and eat food. See, this is something we should address as well. Like, I think, oh, there's a lot of. I don't know if it's really myths, but every, you know, like the stereotypes of like being moody on your period, being hungry on your mm-hmm. period. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I just want to say in I my case, those. that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> not that people should utilise them against us. No, definitely not. I do. Well, not the mood thing ever before, but now it's just like, I'll be crying and I'm like, yeah. why am I crying? I know, the next day, same. Come on. I know. Solution. I had it when I was skiing with my parents and I was like, it's the altitude. I think it's just made it all much worse. And I'm like, sorry, dad, I'm not angry at you. It's just, you know, the hormones. But um, it is so true. Although I find um, the phrase like when you're being a bit moody, mm-hmm. just any time, like don't know that you're on your period, but like someone would say, oh, on your period, are we? I know. Like that really annoys me, even though I do think there is truth that like when you are on your period, you are more moody. But don't use it against me. I Exactly. Especially if it's coming from a guy. Yeah. Like I, that would really annoy me even more. So you haven't lowered the mood. <laughs> I'm fragile at these times. Literally, exactly. like you were saying before, we've we've discussed this before. When I was in my foul foul mood, where I just went and sat in my room for like three days straight, didn't engage with the oh, house. Do you remember? I do recall. And you were like, it just takes, and this was true. It just takes a lot more to make me laugh and a lot less to make me cry. That's and that it. is my that's mood. That's, the that's my mood. That is how I would sum it Two up. Two days before my period. If anyone wants to know like a description of a period, like that, that is just it. <laughs> Also, the for craving. Us, for us. Yeah, for us. We can't speak for everyone. We are the universal wombs. No, <laughs> we should rename the pop- podcast Universal Wombs. Universal Wombs. I like that. Could take off. On the topic of fajitas tonight, we are having fajitas tonight. I'm My so tummy just excited. rumbled. Anyway, so we're both hungover, so this is really exciting. I know we are. As we are talking about food, I also want to discuss food cravings. Okay. When on period. What are yours? I always crave chocolate. Right. I know it's. Uh, you so said basic. it as if it's but, but basic aha <laughs> l i've actually done a bit of research on this and i heard that dark chocolate contains iron oh here we go hence why i crave i know l's rolling her eyes because i use this excuse every month and i'm like bring it in <laughs> it's time but it's true and it is quite a universal craving i think i just crave nothing particularly oh actually no i always just, just quantity yeah i just want more just mm. more and it's always dinners i want more of the carbs yeah i want like a second dinner rather than a dessert normally you are always a dinner person i am anyway, a dinner though. person and a carb dinner person oh yes i'm absolutely. a savory not a sweet oh yeah Although, definitely i my comfort foods are have a guess what do you think my comfort oh, foods oh which one shall i go for sweet tooth comfort okay foods. um brownie bites yeah 12 bites a vanilla onkin yogurt yes <laughs> Or Rachel's. I'll take Rachel's with the honey. Those oh, are my... Because when you go to Tesco Express, they have Onkin vanilla, and their brownie bites are amazing. And then mm. when you go to Sainsbury's, you get the Rachel's yoghurt. I Sorry, see. I go to different places for different yoghurt. That sounds... That's the most middle-class thing I've ever said. <laughs> Next, you'll be getting an Ocado delivery. Um, 
you need to listen to the new Highlander. I actually okay, have. They've stopped there. Apparently, they've stopped delivering. I wouldn't I have known have that unless I'd listened. I did not know. No. Aldi all the way. A hundred percent. Hundy P. Anyway, um, back to periods. I was also, I feel like we yeah, gonna. What do you think about the general mood of the house when everyone's on their period? Ooh, well, it, I don't think it's happened that we are all on at once, but I think because we all have periods, we're all very sympathetic when someone is on their period. Yeah. So it's literally like if someone says, oh, I'm on my period today, it's like, oh, honey, do you want like a hot water yeah. bottle? Like, do you want a snack? Ellie's always like, do you want my heat pack? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the mum. But she's really not the mum, actually. No, she's not. I would not. say you are. Really? Mm, yeah, and Lil's the dad. <laughs> we keep you guys in check. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think because of it's a house of seven girls. I, I'm just wondering because last year and the year before we lived in a mixed mixed houses. No, we definitely talked about periods just as much. Yeah, we actually. did. We did. But our boys are all quite like open to. We trained them up. We trained them up. They like talking about in depth. Yeah. Things. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think what it was like when I lived with just Pete. I feel like you just get annoyed that you you're like no this really hurts this yeah. is not. Just a tummy ache. This mm-hmm. is a period. I've only ever had it once, and this was when I was in Amsterdam, that it was actually agonising, and I thought I was giving birth. <laughs> Shout out to Jazz. But it was like l- knives were stabbing in my back. I've, I've never had it this badly before. Like, sometimes it's bad, but this was just shocking. When it was crying? like, And I was crying, and it was like 3am, and I felt so bad because Jazz, my flatmate at the time, had a friend over. And at 3am, I just, like, creeped into her room. And I was like, just talk to me. Just talk to me. Hold I just me. need words. Hold me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Your friend's here on a holiday in Amsterdam. And I've woken her up at 3am. But it just had to be done. It was horrible. See, my pains are never normally that bad. Like, I get... Yeah. Um, that was a one-time thing. Yeah, I get, like, tummy pains. But my back's normally all right. But... Oh. Do you remember the most traumatic time for me is was when I was walking into uni and I literally oh, thought yes. I had wet myself. Yes. I literally felt like all this liquid down my legs. And normally when I come on, it's like droplets and it's very gradual. Um, it's a gradual process. So no, it doesn't normally take me by surprise or if it does, it's like a tiny little patch in my knickers. But I went to the toilet like straight away thinking that I was wetting myself and had no control over my like bladder. And I had literally just come on so fast that yeah. my whole entire jeans were soaked through. Shocking. I couldn't I believe it happened that quickly. I know. And then I had to call Car and be like, please, can you bring some knickers yeah, for me? I know. And a girl called Kate, I got her to bring me some, because I didn't have anything on me. I wasn't due. And that happened yeah. again in London a month after. And I soaked through um, and it came through the other side. So if you touch the outside of my jeans, blood came on your hands. Wow. Yeah. And I was with like Pete, George and Meg and they, they were like, Wow, that is... Yeah. I had a traumatic time. I was on holiday in Poland last year and we were in a hostel and, like, two, three nights in a row I leaked through onto oh, the hostel sheets and it was just so awful because I had to, like, scrub the hostel sheets, like, in their bathroom, just get cold water on it and I was just like, this really isn't coming out but hopefully they won't charge me. I mean, I think it would have been heartless to charge me. I obviously didn't murder someone in that bed. <laughs> it was just, like... But I was just so embarrassed and then you're so uncomfortable, like, you can't sleep because you're just so worried it's yeah, going to happen so again. so conscious of I it. actually don't sleep very well when I'm on my period. No, you never sleep well no, when you're on period. No, because I feel it churning. It's not even, like, a pain. It's just, like, a wibbly wobble happening in there yeah. well i suppose it's the uterine lining breaking down isn't it l i actually don't know any <laughs> i don't know anything scientific about period which is really I bad and also reflects on the whole bad, lack of education, the lack of education around it yeah well we were taught about i think it's like well it's just like a fate it's like a non-successful pregnancy isn't it it's the egg coming through which 
I realised when I was younger. So are eggs just chickens' periods? I'm just going to let that settle for a moment. (laughs) So it's an unfertilised... So a fertilised chicken egg will turn into a chick and just the egg that you eat or poach... (laughs) <laughs> will that is a chicken period or have with your soldiers or scramble however you like it sunny Fry. side up I'm a scramble are you well back in the day I am now oh, began yeah, week. as yeah. if I forgot that for like five <laughs> minutes um, um yeah yeah but well, food for thought there yeah but yeah that's what periods are isn't it yeah so that's our experience I think we shall go on to talk to Christina, who is Morgana's friend from climbing. Thank you, Christina, for coming and chatting yeah. to us about endometriosis. During March, endometriosis awareness month. We actually planned this podcast before we even knew all of this stuff happened. It all before just these coincided, policies yeah. We just wanted to tell you about our food cravings. But yeah, so endometriosis month um, is in March this year. I think it is it March every year. Yeah. Yeah. And so. the week was last week. I think, but this so is we the first time week. I've actually spotted it in the news. Like, Have you? I, I have I've never clocked it before. Maybe that's Maybe. only because like yeah we are becoming more aware but yeah so. so we are going to talk to christina about that and just to mention that their campaign this year is to raise the importance of education in tackling diagnosis times which also christina will talk about but um take a look at their page it's endometriosis uk if you're interested to learn more about it or you're looking for support but yeah over to christina take it away girl <laughs> Okay, hello Christina. We've just discussed already what this is going to be about, so let's get straight into it. Um, we should probably start with what is endometriosis and what is your experience of it? Um, hi, uh, yeah, so endometriosis is a condition um, where the tissues of your um, endometrium, so your uterine lining or the lining of your womb, grows outside of there, so aren't essentially anywhere else in the body. And those tissues still respond to those hormonal changes that happen kind of all the time. So like when you're on your period, the kind of estrogen levels change and that causes them to bleed and also to kind of like expand and stuff. And when that happens, if it's not inside your uterus, it then doesn't have anywhere to go and your body has to reabsorb it. And that Mm -hmm. essentially causes all this pain and like bloating and kind of pressure buildup in your kind of abdomen. And that is essentially what it is. It's these sort of, yeah, these this pressure and this kind of growth of tissues that aren't meant to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of general symptoms are like pelvic pain, um, heavy bleeding, painful bleeding, um, but bleeding also outside of your period. Okay. So like, personally, like, I don't kind of have any side effects of excessive bleeding, but I can get pain at any point in time mm-hmm. in the month, regardless of whether I'm actually on my period or not. And that's pretty horrible because it's just kind of random and it'll just happen. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. your whole body as well. Because I remember yeah. I've been with you at one of the times and I could just feel your whole body shaking. It was actually Yeah, crazy. it's one of those things where like generally if I am in control, I'll kind of feel a bit awful beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it just hits you like a brick. And I mm. tend to just try and get out of the situation. I just try to go home and yeah. I try to leave and get in bed with my heat pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's very uncontrollable. Yeah, my whole body shakes and it's just you want to curl up like a fetus and mm-hmm. just sit there with your um yeah with your heat and your painkillers. But mm. like a lot of people, people find it quite hard because it's a chronic condition. Like that doesn't stop people. Kind of go, oh, you'll be fine later, and it's yeah. 
they think it's like your period where it's only going to last a certain amount of time and then it'll be over yeah yeah exactly like it's it's quite hard to, to explain to people that it doesn't end like you get through this bit and that's what you were really good when you were helping me at the time is mm. you just get through it and then you'll be fine for the next couple of weeks but you don't know yeah. when it can hit you again. don't know when it can hit again and that is the hardest thing i find for people to give support and stuff like people are amazing but yeah i think they think it's like a curable illness where you're gonna be all right on the other side where actually yeah. that's not a thing like there is no cure for endometriosis and yeah. how do you find it with kind of like paracetamol because i know from obviously mm. experience of being mm-hmm. in a house full of girls with when we're on our periods kind of the go-to is oh have a paracetamol you'll mm. be fine and like does that work for endometriosis or not as much so i think um because it is sort of like a condition it varies between lots of people but paracetamol is a painkiller it it stops pain but my pain is caused by inflammation so paracetamol kind of cut takes the edge off but it doesn't do anything really like the only thing that i can take are quite high dosage um um ibuprofen and things like that i i injured my knee about six years ago and they gave me naproxen which is mm. a really big anti-inflammatory and i yeah i use that when i can but like you're not meant to have that without food and like when i'm really ill i don't really want to eat because you just feel like you're gonna throw up or like in the states quite a lot i read quite a lot of bloggers and they use like weed and like um mm. stuff that is illegal in the uk and that and cbd which is um the sort of non-psychological aspect of weed that's not THC that's a really big thing in the states to be used and um, that basically just kind of gets to your body and it helps but it's not really very kind of accessible here which yeah which is a big kind of push behind the like medical marijuana and stuff like that and affects yeah. a lot of people but paracetamol is the kind of go-to but just mm. dulls it rather than stops it yeah definitely yeah yeah and so when did you first kind of think that you might have endometriosis so I was um in a relationship and um, I started experiencing um painful sex Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like just out of the blue would randomly in particular positions or in particular times would just be unbearable would just have to stop and like and I got quite a lot of like guilt from that because you don't really want to do that in a relationship yeah yeah um and then for a while I was just like oh it'll be okay it'll be Mm -hmm. fine it'll sort itself out but my ex was like no you need to go to the doctors this isn't okay but anything to do with sex people presume it's an std they presume it's something sexually transmitted which i kind of had to explain to doctors over and over again that it wasn't that because i'd only had sex with my boyfriend at the time and when i went on the pill i made him get tested yeah and he was completely clear so there was no sort of grounds to presume that i did have a disease but I think I had about six SDI tests within three months. Wow. So do you think the doctors had assumed that that's what it was? That would have been their go-to? Yeah. So as soon as you go in and you mention painful sex, they Mm. go, do this. And I got the umbrella one. I did one while they were there. Mm -hmm. I did pregnancy tests. I did kind of like everything under the sun, really. Yeah. They diagnosed me with thrush and sent me away and Mm. things like that. And it's like, that's not the cause of this pain, but you have to almost convince them that it's something more yeah Yeah. and that is a really horrible situation and you Mm. yeah like you start kind of thinking is it real because these doctors don't believe you yeah and it's it's pretty hard but at the same time like it happens over and over again as I said before it's chronic like Mm. you just have to keep going back and like I've spoken to people who have had symptoms and they've kind of gone and gone oh the doctor don't believe me 
but actually you just have to keep going back because it's not going to change if it is a chronic condition it's just going to keep happening that's something like sorry you just touched on there like with the misdiagnosis that's something Mm. I read about when I was doing a little bit of reading on endometriosis and how like the average diagnosis it was something ridiculous like eight years in the states it's eight years Mm. and in the UK it's five years oh okay Um, still a very long time yeah, yeah like in your experience like you said that they might not have believed you several times like what do you think in general about like medical like like the doctor's knowledge of this condition like what is there to be done and what is the state of it kind of right now so for my university um I had to get part d form which is evidence of a medical condition and you go in and you have an assessment with a gp and they sign a form saying you have this and you can get extenuating circumstances from assignments or whatever um and on that form it said cured by surgery and that is completely false there is no cure for this condition and just stuff like that was so shocking to me because as much as these people have done all of their training and stuff Mm -hmm. conditions like this are just so common so it's one in ten women that's the statistic i meant to have this condition obviously on kind of varying levels but there's such a kind of lack of understanding of it um and kind of personally I believe that there's a general sort of like sexism within medicine um so the fact that it's a period related female reproductive condition the historical sort of research into that is quite prejudice um and probably quite male-led and stuff like that so like this very little information because like there might be a cure we don't know but at the moment there isn't anything so it's Mm -hmm. kind of frustrating (laughs) and have you on that kind of idea of sexism within the medical profession have you found that when you've gone along several different times to different doctors you've experienced kind of um being responded to as if you're sort of a hysterical woman who doesn't know what they're like what's your experience been with that so the majority mm. of people that I have seen have been women, but there have been a couple of doctors. And I think one of the most sort of frustrating things was I was once told to take paracetamol 20 minutes before sex. And it's like... What? As if that's a solution. Have you ever been in a relationship? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and that was by a man and yeah. stuff yeah. like this. And not saying that he was prejudiced or anything, but I think generally there is a, a lack, of lack of understanding, lack of understanding yeah, a, that this affects everything, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just quite shocking. Um, but I generally, I think the sexism isn't necessarily in the treatment of people, but just in the research, in the research that there mm. isn't that kind of like, mm. there's more focus on other things rather than women's reproductive, yeah, reproductive health. So like, um, I said the surgery before, so the um, way to diagnose endometriosis is through laparoscopy, and that's a um, exploratory surgery. And the other treatment options are the pill, which is um, hormonal manipulation, or a hysterectomy, which is removal of the womb. And Lena, Lena Dunham, Dunham has had that done. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the most extreme form of dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, and none of these will, like, definitely cure it or will remove any symptoms, but I just think... The idea that the only three options are like hormonal treatment, um, exploratory surgery where you don't know the outcome, and essentially castration. Mm. Yeah. And if this was, I don't, I don't want to say if this was a male thing that wouldn't happen, but I just feel like 
something mm-hmm. like chemical castration or surgical castration is a huge thing and why do we have the option and yeah. if it was a male orientated condition like, would it have the same response would they have explored into different options rather exactly. than just going to the extreme yeah. and suggesting that because yeah i guess to suggest that you give up any chance of carrying your own baby yeah or, having children yeah. yeah they all seem like such extreme options but i can see even from our conversation why there is such a lack of understanding around this like if a lot of the symptoms come through like pain during sex or through like extreme like menstrual cramps those are kind of issues that are stigmatized anyway then a person who is like struggling with those issues might not want to come forward and then you can see how like fewer people coming forward and then lack of response because there's lack of research in this area and then it all just comes into like this really long diagnosis time yeah. I'm frustrated even talking <laughs> to you yeah it's all of that stigma and it is yeah it's that big cycle of oh I don't want to talk about it so mm-hmm. there's a um, platform called Brumfest where I saw a, woman, um, saw a girl say oh I'm worried about getting tampons and mm-hmm. stuff in the shop and I was just like how can you be so scared to do this yeah. such natural thing and I think it's that idea and that stigma mm-hmm. behind it that does as you say fuel this sort of mm-hmm. cycle of worry and of lack of information so i was just going to say um what do you propose is the best way to yeah get how to the, break yeah, this cycle the, yeah. <laughs> i would just say education education of both men and women like there wouldn't be a stigma if people were accepting of it and that comes through self-acceptance of women being able to go and just go, yes, I'm going to buy tampons. Yeah. But also of men not kind of almost placing that on women of going, oh, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I lived in a flat with um, four boys in second year and my friend kind of complained about her cramps and they mm. would be like, too much information. And it's oh, like, no. we're not talking about bloody like... Anything. Anything no. kind yeah. of, of... Yeah. It's a fact of life. Yeah, she was just talking about her pain and they thought that was too much information Mm -hmm. and I think that is an awful thing and it's educating everyone about such a normal And it's interesting because that stigma starts there but say those people, this is me just like thinking out loud, but those people might become medical like professionals professionals, and then they're going to have that attitude and no, silencing the woman, let's just, these are the options you've got and that's where that manifests with the extremes and the not properly researching into it which is really interesting so they've yeah. part of the free periods campaign is to kind mm. of like destigmatize the idea of periods and introduce um like menstrual health into the curriculum which mm. would also hopefully yeah. introduce endometriosis yeah. into um into the curriculum which because i didn't know mm. anything about it and we're what 21 years exactly. old exactly kind of... and then i think in that kind of education more education about periods you kind of learn what is a normal period and what is a period that like the levels of pain because i think everyone knows oh period cramps they will hurt so maybe if you had cramp you'd be like oh it's fine you'll get over Mm -hmm. it like this will fade in a bit but yours is more extreme and you need that education to know what constitutes extreme and even painful sex i mean you're told when you're younger that when you first have sex so you might if if people are taught earlier that you know it shouldn't really be Mm. then or at least not for an extended period of time then people might be more willing to go to doctors earlier and demand that they mm. have answers rather than being kind of embarrassed into leaving yeah that definitely well like, i i didn't want to go to the doctors for i think it was about three mm. months i just mm. it was like it'll oh, go away it'll no. be fine because you don't want to talk talk to even professionals about something that mm-hmm. is so personal but in retrospect it's definitely 
made me much more confident about talking about these things like I've had to talk to my parents about this which Mm -hmm. is a very personal (laughs) thing and it's quite awkward going up to your dad being like so want to have sex it hurts (laughs) (laughs) not all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it it definitely kind of opens up those conversations which is really good like it's endometriosis awareness month in march and um and there's some really amazing people um, and bloggers um that do post about it um which is really cool and there's um like loads of podcasts and stuff so if anyone does have any worries if anyone wants or... to deviate from this quality podcast <laughs> yeah, and to check some, out another one <laughs> do you want to give some recommendations on like good blogs or people to follow um so um there's a there was a blog um a podcast that i i, I saw you repost sh- yeah. the doctor's kitchen yeah the doctor's kitchen and it's essentially talks about food and nutrition based around different um conditions and different um illnesses and um for me because all of my discomfort is associated with bloating and stuff like that I've for Lent actually gone and tried to reduce my gluten and dairy intake which Mm. is really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it just I've done it for five days I think it is now well yeah Mm. and I feel just so much better so really yeah in terms of that so I kind of cheated a little bit today and had um some some corn chicken nuggets which have obviously got gluten in and I was like walking over to here being like oh it was delicious but yeah Yeah. it's crazy how food has an impact on this sort Mm. of stuff Mm. um and there's also a woman um who works for buzzfeed um who talks about her chronic pain and she was the first person i think she's called lara i'm not sure what her second name is Mm. um but she was the first sort of person i ever saw talk about it and she's got a lot of kind of other associated conditions and stuff but um yeah her stuff is really really amazing and it's all videos about her lifestyle and things like that and I read one and um, I watched one um, the other day and she kind of said was talking about the idea of people find it difficult to understand chronic pain but then also like people don't quite understand that you can be doing nothing all one day sitting in bed and then the next day hiking up a mountain like yeah. it's very it switches very very quickly and I think people do get quite shocked at how I can be crying in like mm. for one minute and then completely find another. It just mm. stops. Mm. And I think without understanding and feeling that people just not necessarily don't take it seriously, but just don't understand that it's yeah. very much a switch. Um, and some of her stuff is really amazing because it's kind of visual, visual and it shows you what she does in her day to day life and how she kind of gets past some of the hurdles of the condition wow. thank you very much for the recommendations Steve. All right pleasure to have you on the podcast yeah we'll have you back again next time <laughs> thank you thank you very much to christina and on to our favorite segment morgana what have you been consuming this week food wise yes yeah, well, i'll be off with your favorite dins my dins of the week well you'll be flattered by this out oh. but um they were just so good. Those enchiladas you made last week. Oh, oh really? Yeah, no. Was that Friday? I think it was Friday, but yeah. I think we made... Well, we made up the whole packet. Yeah. And then... And then I ate them when I came Well, I, we just had, like, what was it? We started off with two, and then I was like, yeah, I'm done. And then I just kind of waltzed Walked over, over and just started, like, picking at them, and it was, oh, go on, then I'll have another one. And then we went out and came back, and then it was just a bit more. I literally it? was like a pig at a trough when we came back from the <laughs> 
like it sniffling was it up like so good it'd it been was, a long time good. yeah we left it quite a while i know see guys we do mix it up from fajitas we have enchiladas sometimes i, know. I mean again we are having fajitas tonight but it's just you know it's part of the show. and i actually think i don't remember what episode it was i think it was galentine's or something we didn't mention but we were also having fajitas yeah we have them we don't have to talk about it all the time though yeah. anyway Elle, what meal have you enjoyed consuming this i week? can't believe you picked enchiladas over this barastilo Oh, yeah, we oh, that went... was good, but I mean, I, yeah. Oh, I'm flattered, but yeah, we went to <laughs> Barastilo, which is a tapas Spanish style restaurant in Birmingham. The mailbox would recommend, and it was bloody delicious. I had this, like, it was like a bell pepper with paella in the middle, Ooh. and then that was like in a tomato sauce and had cheese baked on it. Ooh. Oh my god, it was so good! So nice. I'm gonna have that again when I go back. Oh, yeah. I know. But we went with a group that aren't that massively into tapasy like sharing. Mm. So I only had three, whereas when I go with Ben, we order like yeah. seven. Yeah, well, that's the thing with tapas. I do love it, but I do think it works well in two. Yeah, true. Because you make sure you get the portions. When you're in a big group, it can work out that you're only getting one bite of each thing. I know, but sometimes that's nice because you get a lot of things. If you do tapas right, you'll have like... Yeah, so I just need to be yeah. trained in the way of tapas. But I wasn't a Spain family growing up. I was a France family. Yeah, true. The UK is split into Spain and France families. Yeah. And we were a France fan. But anyway, what have you been consuming media-wise this oh, week? Oh, well, um, one of our lovely listeners, Jack, a male listener. Oh, we he, have one. Yeah, he recommended that I watch Fleabag. And I know that the new series had come out. And I was like, oh, what even is this? What kind of name is that? <laughs> I binge watched series one in two days. You're so it was good. bloody fantastic. I loved it. I can't stop laughing. Like, it's obviously quite dark in some places. But it's so funny. And I started series two today. I'm on episode two. And I would just recommend, if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's, I love, like, the way she, like, breaks... Is it the fourth the wall? The breaks the fourth yeah, wall, yeah. I love that. And she does it so well. Yeah, and it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. The you one who she, um, wrote Killing Eve. Yes! Yeah. And I still watch Killing Eve, so I'm I sure know. I love that. Yeah, part. oh, no, it is brilliant. But, yeah, would recommend Fleabag. Really funny. Um, Also... Isn't it romantic, which we watched together? Oh, on Netflix, that was just brilliant. Yeah, I could not stop laughing. It was so stupid, but so funny. It was taking the mick of himself. Well, it was basically, it was recommended to us by... by after our Galentine's um, rant special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could call it a rant. When we were talking about our favourite rom-coms, um, Isn't It Romantic is basically taking the mick out of rom-coms where Rebel Wilson gets stuck in a rom-com. Yeah. It's just really funny. It's really funny. would recommend if you need an easy watch and a nice little laugh or pick-me-up. And then, yeah, I also listened to less podcasts this week. I've not really been on it that much. No, me what neither, actually. I mean, we have just got up from three hours of lying on the sofa chatting. We psychoanalyzed ourselves to death Did we today. mention we were hungover? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just finished the last two slices of the takeaway pizza I bought home at 4 a.m. Rock and roll lifestyle, this one at university, I tell you. <laughs> we but do yeah. study as well. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. Um... Yeah, the podcast I've been listening to was is called We Are Offline and it's okay. by two ASOS insiders um, and they talk about kind of like the digital sphere and being in an influencer culture but on different issues and they had a International Women's Day special last week called The Truth Behind Being a Woman online um, and they had a panel of guests and one of the guests was Tasha Bishop who founded the Pants Project. She was basically, as I understand it, born without a womb. Wow. I know. And she was just, it was so interesting to learn about. And I think I'm definitely going to try and do a bit more research on it. But um, would recommend listening to that. They talk about other kind of issues and um, size in the media, like body body shape, etc. And um, all those other good subjects that are great for discussion, just much like this podcast. Oh. So yeah, go and take a listen to that. What about you, Morgana? 
Well, I have also been watching more than I have been podcasting. So I watched Three Identical Strangers this week. Oh, I watched that too. Which you, yeah, you also can, you watched. Can talk about this. Um, which is just so brilliant. It's this documentary on Channel 4. Um, and basically it's like... Uh, I should probably set it up as, as it starts. So this guy goes to college campus. It's his first day at uni or college. And everyone's going up to him like, hey, nice summer. Hey, Eddie, how's it going? And he's like, it's my first day. What the hell? My name's not Eddie, blah, blah, blah. He goes to his college room. And then Eddie's friend has heard that Eddie's back. But he's like, what? Eddie's not coming back this year. What's going on? He opens the door and he sees a guy who looks just like Eddie. And he's just shocked. And he says, like, are you adopted? Is your birthday July 12th? And the guy's like, yes, yes. And then it turns out it's a long lost twin. I know. That gets into the papers and a third one pops up. And it's just such a good documentary because it's shocking and it's like... Sad, but also like yeah, lovely it's in very, some ways. Yeah, exactly. It's quite optimistic and then it takes a bit of a darker turn. And it's all about like the nature versus nurture debate. It's just a really remarkable story that's quite unbelievable, but definitely worth a watch. Yeah, that was good. Um, in watching, oh, the other day, so I was just really craving, you know, feel good film. Oh, here we bloody Didn't really go. want to think about it, so I went for Bend It Like Beckham. She's literally ranted to us, not ranted. Ex- what's I know you asked. Bigged it up. Well, I know I asked this time, but you've told me five more times. I told you like once. How it's, dare it's made you? Its well, way I won't into talk conversation. about it. It's made, no, I I like it, but. Well, you're obsessed with it. I'm moment. just no. It was very clunky. It's very <laughs> early noughties. You do kind of watch it like wow, and the fashion is quite hilarious. Isn't Kira Knightley really young in it? Yeah, yeah. It's her first thing. She must only be like sixteen, 16 in that, and she does look really young. But um, yeah, it was just really funny. Blast from the past. Um, I have podcast wise. I listened to the Get It Off Your Breast International Women's Day special. I know I've mentioned that podcast before, but this week had a really interesting discussion about fashion and body image and how fashion is kind of like insecurity in some way because Mm -hmm. by its nature it's like fitting into trends um which was really interesting and obviously it's links with body image quite serious as well and i also on the david Tennant podcast listened to an interview with gordon brown oh interesting who i'd forgotten existed bless Um, what's he up to well it was just it was quite interesting because he he confesses that he made some bumbling mistakes like i remember once he was talking about how he had this interview um, and he was like, oh, yeah, I've really enjoyed speaking to the people of East Germany. And they're like, um, you are on New Zealand live radio show. We what? are talking about New Zealand and this is our prime minister. And he just got it wrong. So he just oh. had to bluff and pretend he hadn't said that, which is so awkward. But then he was also talking about how the media twisted so much stuff in his life. And it was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I still haven't listened to David Tennant, but you are a big fan. Yeah, hit and miss, but no. Do you think it depends on the... I think it very much depends on the guests. Yeah. Oh, I do want to listen to the uh, um, Olivia Colman one, though, because she's also in Fleabag as the stepmom. She She is evil but hilarious. It is so good. Yeah, I've heard great things about Fleabag. I think I've seen the first episode, but I need to keep going. Yeah, I'm going to rab it on at you, like Dave, like uh, Ben. But I know it's... I trust Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think she's so talented. She's such a good writer. She has our trust. I do. She's great. But yeah, I think that's us done for. I think that rounds up our period episode. Period related. I guess you could say it's done. Period. period. Nice. Hey. Yep, so I suppose that rounds it up. And also, just to a reminder, if you are enjoying our podcast, please remember to rate, review, or subscribe. On and that. subscribe. Do it all. And subscribe all Go three. Crazy. And rate five stars while you're at it. Yeah. Why not? 
but um it just really helps us to gauge the reaction to the podcast and like boost it and yeah we're enjoying just... doing it so we just want to get feedback all the time any yeah. however podcast, critical it yeah, may be we we accept um constructive criticism and if you've got any episode ideas yes swing them our way so please remember to do that goodbye <laughs>